Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Take your Bibles, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to ask our deacons if they will make their way up to the front row as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper today. Today we are participating in an observance that has gone on for 2,000 years. The early church celebrated the Lord's Supper, and we do so today. There are probably a few other things in your life that you do that are connected with a 2,000-year-old practice and observance. But an important part of the Lord's Supper is a time of examination of ourselves to make sure that we do not partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And we see this over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And beginning in verse 23, it seems that some of the church at Corinth were partaking of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. And because of that, God's hand of discipline had been released in their life. Some of them had become weak. Some of them had become sick. Some had even died because of partaking of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. So far be it from us. To do that. And so it's important that we have this time of examination each time. And to give you the biblical foundation for that, we will see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Stand as I read, beginning in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats a bread or drinks a cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. And that's the euphemism for death. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. You may be seated. In other words, we must examine ourselves to make sure we do not partake of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Now, what does it mean to examine ourselves? I believe it means we must put ourselves to the test. We must look at our lives 
under the scrutiny of the Holy Spirit. And we must examine ourselves first in relationship to God, and then secondly in relationship to each other. In relationship to God, we need to ask ourselves, is there any sin in my life that I have not brought before God in repentance, in confession, and forsaking? Am I trying to hide some sin in my life by trying to rationalize it away by saying, well, that's just the way I am, or I just inherited that from my dad, he was that way? Or have we brought every sin before God and said, Lord, I acknowledge this is sin in my life and I do not want this sin in my life. It doesn't mean that you're sinless, we're not. It doesn't mean you're perfect, we're not. But what it means is you're not harboring, hiding sin in your life. That you're willing under the Spirit of God to face the sin in your life and confess it before God. So we're going to give you a few moments, in a moment, to spend some time before God asking Him to show you if there are any sins you need to deal with and bring before Him. But our emphasis today is going to be on our relationship with one another, and particularly in the area of forgiveness. Have you forgiven everyone who has sinned against you? Our focal verse is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, where Paul says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Now the main truth that you need to remember today is this. We are to forgive others just like God has forgiven us. Paul says, forgiving others just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And there are four truths that we will see this morning about how God has forgiven us and how this translates into how we are to forgive others who sin against us. First truth. God forgives us of our abundant sins. Ephesians 1.7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. God in Christ, when we come to Christ in faith and surrender, God forgives us of every sin we have ever committed against Him, and trust me, it is a multitude of sins. You and I could not count the number of sins we've committed against God. But not only does God forgive us of every sin we have committed up to that point, but He has already forgiven you of every sin you will ever commit in the future. And again, it is an abundance of sins. You see, sin is simply failure to conform to the perfect will of God. That's what sin is. Any failure 
to conform to the perfect, holy will of God is sin. Now, we're all familiar with sins of acts. You know, we go out and kill somebody, or we go lie, or we uh, hit somebody if we're a kid, or, or steal something. Now, we're all familiar with those sins, right? But in addition to those sins, there are a multitude of sins of your mouth. Saying things that are not building up, that are not for the edification, but are hurtful, gossip, uh, lying, uh, bragging. All these things are sins. And not only that, but they're sins of our mind, thoughts that are not pleasing to God. All of those are sins of commission, things we do. But there's also an error of sins called sins of omission. That is, things we should do that we're not doing. When you should be kind to someone and you're not, that's a sin. When you should give something to someone in need and you don't, that's a sin. When you should say a kind word to someone and you don't, that's a sin. When you should encourage someone and you don't, that's a sin. When you should speak up for your faith and you don't, that's a sin. So there's a whole category of sins that we commit because we don't do them. There are things God wants us to do. There are thoughts about God that we don't have that God wants us to have. That's sin. And I'm simply trying to point out to you that there is a multitude, as the Scripture would say, myriad of myriad, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of sins that God in Christ has forgiven us of. It's an abundance. So if we're going to forgive others like God has forgiven us, then we need to see our forgiveness of others in the light of God's forgiveness of us, which means God has forgiven us the multitude of sins. We are to forgive others the few sins they have committed against us. When you see how much God has forgiven you, and then you don't want to forgive that person who has only sinned a little bit against you compared to how much you've sinned against God? How ridiculous is that? So you've got to see your forgiveness of the other person in the light of how much God has forgiven you. Second truth. We are to forgive others for... We are to forgive... God forgave us because of His grace, not because we deserve forgiveness. Look at our verse again in Ephesians. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to what? Our merit? Our earning it? No. According to the riches of His grace. God forgave us when we did not deserve it. No person alive deserved God's forgiveness. It was a matter of grace. God's unmerited favor. If God was waiting for you and I to deserve forgiveness, we'd still be unforgiven. That tells me that I am to forgive you, not because you deserve it, but because God's forgiven me. Right? Now this is where we get, we get tied up. We think, oh, he doesn't deserve my forgiveness. He'll just do it again. I'm not going to forgive him. He doesn't deserve it. 
No, and you don't either. That's not the point. Nobody deserves forgiveness because they're going to sin again. But God didn't forgive you because you deserved it. He forgave you because of His abundant grace. And you and I must forgive those who hurt us, not because they deserve it, because they do not, but because God has forgiven us. We think, but they're just going to do it again. Well, that's really not the point. Because don't you sin against God again? So you see, we first must forgive others in the light of God's forgiveness of us. He has forgiven us of the multitude of our sins. Surely we should forgive them of the few sins they've done against us. Secondly, He forgave us when we didn't deserve it according to His grace. We should forgive them even though they do not deserve it. Get that off the table. It's not a matter of deserving. Third truth. God took the first step to forgive us. Romans 5, 8 said, But God demonstrated His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait until you decided to get right with Him for Him to forgive you of your sins. He did not decide for you to turn to Him and say, Hey God, I'd like to get forgiveness. And He said, Okay, let me go send Jesus to die so I can do it. While you were yet His enemy, He took the first step in our forgiveness by sending His Son Jesus who became the appeasing sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for our sins while we were enemies. He took the first step. If He had waited on us to take the first step, He would still be waiting in 2014. And He'd still be waiting in 3014, wouldn't He? And so this tells me that If I'm going to forgive others like God has forgiven me, that I must take the first step in the process of forgiveness. You see, we think, well, well, if they come and ask me, then I might forgive them. But they hurt me. They need to come to me and say they're sorry. They need to come to me and ask for forgiveness. That's not what God says. God says you need to go to them. Matthew 18, if your brother sins, and the idea is against you, Go and show him his fault in private. If he listens, you have won your brother. And there's a practical reason for this. I might not know I've sinned against you, believe it or not. It may not have been intentional. And so I don't, I'm not even aware that I've hurt you, offended you, sinned against you. And so unless you come and say to me, hey, you know, I was offended when you did so-and-so and so-and-so. Or, you know, it really hurt me if you did so-and-so and this. So I felt sinned against. I'm not going to know it. And you just keep holding on to that bitterness, holding on to that anger, holding on to that hurt, saying, well, he ought to come up and apologize. Now, husband-wife relationships. Hear me out, ladies. You've heard me say it before, but we men are dense when it comes to relationships. We are not relationship-oriented. Okay? So please don't look at your husband and he says, there's something wrong, you ought to know what's wrong. We don't really, we really don't know what's wrong. And you think, how can you not know what's wrong? Well, because we're men and we just don't know what's wrong. Tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us what we did, please. So we can at least argue about it or defend ourselves or do something. Tell us. Don't say you just ought to know. We don't know. So when 
Other people hurt us, sin against us. We need to go and seek to make it right. It, we should take the first step. And then the fourth truth, God chose to forgive us in Christ. We must choose to forgive others. You see, forgiveness is a choice we make, not a feeling we take. Forgiveness is a choice we make. It's not a feeling. See, we think, well, I don't feel that I've forgiven them. It's a choice. God chose to forgive us. He willed to forgive us in Christ. You and I must choose to forgive the one who hurt us. We must make the choice. Yes, by the grace of God, I will forgive this person. It is a choice we make, not a feeling we take. And what does that mean? That means I say, God, by your grace, I'm going to forgive them. That means I am going to act forgiving toward them. That means you say, how would I act if they had never done this against me? And then you start acting that way. And in time, the feeling will come. It may take a month, it may take six months, it may take a year. It depends on how deep the hurt is. But if you will keep on by God's grace acting, forgiving toward them, making that choice to forgive, and forgiveness is defined by some as letting go of the anger or letting go of the hurt. See, we want to nurse that hurt. We want to nurse that anger. You'll never forgive as long as you do that. You've got to say, God, I'm letting go. I'm giving this anger to you. I'm giving my hurt to you. Trusting you to bring the healing in my heart as I act forgiving toward that person. And to act forgiving means you don't keep bringing it up either. It's buried. Don't use it as a weapon against them when you get in an argument. Well, you remember when you did so-and-so to me? Somebody said, keep a very short list. I mean, just erase that stuff. So forgiveness is a choice we make, not a feeling we take. And to choose not to forgive is to choose a life of misery. Someone has rightly said, bitterness is a poison we drink, hoping it will kill the other person. You hold on to that bitterness, it's destroying you. It's not bothering them, but it is eating you alive. Hold on to bitterness, it's a life of misery. And I'll tell you something else, you make people who are around you miserable too. Because you can't just contain it in that one area. It seeps, the Bible calls it a root of bitterness, whereby many are poisoned. It gets into other areas of your life into other relationships and it defiles them it destroys them for the sake of your own health for the sake of your family choose to forgive by the grace of God all right let's spend a few moments before our Lord we do welcome you, and I'm glad that you have taken the opportunity to listen to a sermon on our internet. And I want you just to know that uh, everybody in the church is not like me. Uh, I have these fellows up here, our leadership team. Uh, this is Filiberto Medina, who is our Hispanic pastor. 
And our Hispanic congregation meets every Sunday evening at 6.30. This is Paul Kumar. He is our Minister of Community Connections. Uh, And to my left is Mark Baker, who heads up our Reformers Unanimous Ministry, which is a Christian addiction recovery program that meets every Friday night at 7 o'clock. So if you live in the Mableton area, uh, and it doesn't matter what race you're from, it doesn't matter your cultural background, I want you to know you are welcome at Westside Church. This is where everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. Hope you'll join us soon. Thank you for being with us for this message. Each week, Dr. Stewart gives practical applications and ways to live out the Word of God. If you would like more information, please take a moment to view our website at wbcfamily.org. That's wbcfamily.org. Org.